0: You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday 15th of December. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, to discuss the latest news on Brexit and to discuss other recent developments in financial markets. Uh, Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. If we can start with Brexit, uh, the roller coaster ride of will we get a deal, won't we continues. Can you bring our listeners up to date on the latest developments? And can you tell us where we stand in relation to a trade deal being
1: agreed upon? Well, the answer to that is still unclear. But as opposed to last week, I think there's more optimism about uh, that we will get a trade deal signed off uh, hopefully before Christmas. Um, obviously, the talks, uh, it was quite a damp, big mood last week, I have to say. And uh, you saw it in the performance of sterling, the euro rose all the way to above 92p as fears grew that the two sides would be able to reach a deal. But I think uh, there were signs of some progress over the weekend. And the fact that the talks are being extended and we had a joint statement from the UK Prime Minister and the head of the uh, President of the EU Commission is seen as a positive development. Um, And I think the reality is that the closer we get to the end of the transition period, which is the 31st of December, uh, the less likely that there will be a breakdown and we'll be landed in with a no-deal Brexit scenario for the 1st of January. I think the closer we get to the deadline, the greater the pressure is actually to secure a deal. Now, um, obviously, a lot of work remains to be done. the key issues remain to be resolved. What are they, Ollie? well, I, you, key yeah, well, I think The key issue really is we've heard a lot about fishing rights, about level playing fields, uh, about governments, etc. It, it seems to me, uh, and this is just picking up in terms of uh, some comments out of Brussels and London, that, that the most elusive issue remains around how we deal with evolving EU regulations and rules uh, in the years to come, and uh, how they would apply or not to the UK. Uh, obviously, the, the EU is insisting on we have a level playing field, common regulations, etc. The UK is not prepared to sign up to all effectively be black like check and have no control how these regulations may evolve over time. So I think some compromise has to be found there, some review mechanism. I think that's the key yeah. sticking point. If we can, get, if we, if we can resolve the, the so-called level playing field, um, And how this evolves over time, I think a deal can be done on fisheries, which is really around you know uh, access will be granted for a period of time. The UK will gradually uh, reclaim control over its waters over a period of time. It's obviously very important for those involved in the industry, but in terms of overall economic activity, it's a small part of both the EU and UK economies, symbolically important. So I think the key issue that impacts trade is around um, the level playing field common regulations and how they evolve going forward. So this is tricky. This is detailed. Uh, You know, there's two very large negotiation teams involved in this, uh, working long hours in recent times so I think the pressure will be on to try and get a deal. This won't be done within a couple of days. Maybe next weekend before we see the shape of a deal. Uh, I presume they'll try and conclude them before the Christmas break. But um, now it's, it's not a done deal. I mean, Sterling uh, regained some ground, but on Monday it's trading above between nineteen ninety-one p. Um, so there's still uncertainty about the outcome. But I think there's a growing sense that we may get a deal. Um, you know, it will be a big shock to the system uh, if within a week of the expiry of the transition period, uh, we were facing a no-deal scenario which would involve tariffs on trade between the UK and the EU um, and the negative implications that would have. And I think it would also damage future UK-EU relations. So I think that the mood is, even though it will be a limited trade deal, the key thing is that it avoids tariffs and quotas between the UK and the EU in terms of its trade. and that would be most welcome from an Irish point of view. The concern here is that the UK have obviously outlined where tariffs are likely to apply, and they're keen to protect their own agri-food industry, so from Ireland's point of view, key exports to the UK include things like beef uh, and cheese, uh, and they could attract quite significant tariffs, and so that would be very bad news about both those industries. So I think uh, a, a trade deal is um, in everybody's interest, and hope we get one secured. In, term of, in terms of how impacts the economic outlook i mean the forecasts are you know that growth will rebound next year in both the ireland and the uk uh, and indeed globally as vaccines are rolled out and the restrictions caused on economic activity are put on economic activity uh, in terms of controlling the spread of the coronavirus as they're gradually lifted you will see a in activity the expectations that the vast economies in the Irish economy will grow by about five percent next year if we have a trade deal. If we don't have a trade deal, the growth it could be that like, it could be half that. It could be yeah. you know, two and a half, three percent. You know, people like the SRI, the Department of Finance, the Central Bank, uh, and others have reduced, and the European Commission have produced forecasts of what growth would look like in a trade deal scenario and a no trade deal scenario. And instead of growing by around five percent, the economy may instead grow by two and a half, three uh, percent. And the his as with COVID, not evenly spread across the economy, but obviously very much uh, concentrate on those sectors that rely heavily uh, on exporting into the UK market. Yeah, and I'd say tourism tourism as well would be heavily impacted. It would be, ha- it, would be but it has already. It yeah. has already. And uh, we saw this back in 2016. It's more likely to be impacted by the impact in sterling. Yeah. If there's no trade deal, the expectations of sterling fall sharply again. And we saw that in 2016 when there was a very sharp fall off in numbers, uh, tourism was coming from the UK uh, when sterling basically collapsed in the aftermath of the, of the referendum result. Now, that was offset to some extent by growing tourist numbers from elsewhere from men and Europe, from the States. Obviously, this has been a very difficult year for the tourism sector. So uh, if we saw a further sharp fall off in sterling uh, again, that's a sector where the pace of recovery would certainly be impacted next year in the road no trade deal scenario and
0: and then just on the the, the recent currency range of 89 to 92 p ollie for euro sterling um i suppose is this is it saying that the market still believes a deal can be done
1: it is but i mean there's obviously a lot of uncertainty there uh, and i think we still hold the view um you know sterling has been between let's say 1992 so um in circumstances where a trade deal is secured, I think the market still probably believes if we get one. Yeah. Um, the euro could fall back, as we said before, maybe to 87p, something like that. Obviously, where uh, there's no trade deal and there will be negative fall for the UK economy in particular, uh, Sterling's like to weaken those sort of circumstances. We may see a move towards negative interest rates in the UK, for example, as well. So, certainly 95p and possibly even a move towards parity could be on the cards in terms of the euro's... Um, Heading north, uh, yeah, uh, against Sterling, those sort of circumstances.
0: Oh, okay, can I just get a quick comment in relation to the dollar, Ollie? I know you covered it, the dollar quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but I, I suppose, look, let me put one point to you. Uh, euro dollar has been above one twenty since the start of December. Um, in in terms of over, I suppose looking into twenty twenty one, the outlook for euro dollar. Uh, just maybe just a couple of summary points in terms of what you think is going to happen here.
1: Yeah, well, well actually, the, the Fed is going to meet this week. Yeah, uh, and we may well get the Fed indicate that it's prepared to maintain its current very loose monetary policy stance. It's got zero interest rates and a large quantitative easing bond purchase program. Uh, maintain that bond purchase program until you know uh, recovery has become clearly established in the US and obviously any interest rate increases are a long way uh, down the road. So that's the backdrop for the currency. 120 was a big move. We've, we've been seeing this for quite some time that the you know, the euro has only risen above 120 once since 2014 and it wasn't a sustained move and it hasn't risen above 125 in the last um, six years. So I think um, what we're seeing here is a gradual loss of purchasing power in the dollar. Yeah, uh, Reflecting the fact that rates uh, you know, what the dollar has been at very, very high levels for the last four or five years and one of the factors, but two factors behind that have been relatively high US interest rates yep. uh, and secondly we have seen a lot of crises in markets, from Brexit to COVID, etc. And the dollar, of course, is the safe haven currency, is the most liquid currency on financial markets. If we get a good recovery next year, but we see U.S. rates remain at uh, at zero, well then in those sort of circumstances, uh, the dollar may lose further ground. Now it hasn't been a, a sharp fall; in the dollar has been a gradual appreciation. Mm. It's the euros moved above one twenty. It hasn't. Going soaring towards 125 or 130 or anything like that. I think what we are likely to see for the first half of next year is maybe a trading range of 118 to 124 or 125. Okay. Yep. That 125 level will be a hard one to overcome for the euro because it has not been above that level since 2014 when negative interest rates were introduced in the eurozone. But I think it's probably best described as the dollar's loss of, of its shine because of zero interest rates and an expectation that, you know, it's safe haven status may not be in as much demand next year if we see a strong global rebound uh, uh, and a pickup in worldwide economic activity and people more inclined not to just stay in safe haven dollar assets but to move into their other currencies as
0: well. Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. Um, we'll have to keep a close eye on the dollar And I suppose we'll move into next year. Ollie you mentioned uh, central banks. Last week we had the ECB. You might just give us a comment on that. And also we had the uh, EU summit uh, you might let us know what was achieved out of that as well. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll also mention just the Bank of England, and you also mentioned the Fed this yeah. week. But we might just look
1: at the ECB and the EU summit first. Yeah, well, well, let's just look at the background here that the yeah. central banks are, are dealing with, are facing with. Um, obviously, we've had good news on the vaccines, and the expectation is that over time, certainly by the second half of next year, we should see a, s- a sustained and strong recovery take root, uh, and, uh, take root as vaccines are rolled out to the broader population. But between now and then, and certainly, I mean, what we're seeing now is rising numbers of new COVID cases. Uh, and in large economies, we the UK, Germany, the United States, very, very high numbers of new cases, increasing restrictions in economic activity. Germany going back into lockdown yep. over the Christmas period, you know. Um, and even talk here in Ireland that uh, if COVID case numbers pick up, which is the expectation we could see a new lockdown here in January. Yeah. Um. So that's what central banks are looking at, and um, and also governments. And what that clearly indicates is that ongoing support is required Enterprise. for businesses and, and, and economies over the next, certainly into the spring. I think quarter one is going to be a difficult quarter. Yeah. Maybe quarter two and into the second half of next year before we see... um. A recovery taking root, so central banks are mindful of that. So the ECB extended and increased its quantitative easing program last week, which means more bond purchases for a longer period of time. Uh, and I think the expectations that the Fed has already open-ended um, quantitative easing, it will indicate that that's likely to remain in place until this you know sustained robust recovery takes root. Uh, and the Bank of England, I think, will be watching. Brexit development Brexit, yeah. it actually eased policy further in um in November. So uh, we now have had the Bank of England ease further. We've had the ECB ease further, and we can we can expect to commitment from the Fed to keep its policy very loose for a prolonged period of time. I, I think the Bank of England will hold fire for the present time. the The expectation there is it would do more if there was a no t- no deal outcome. Um, no, in no, other words, no trade deal and um, a hard Brexit. So, for example, then what would we a likely action? Would it be to cut interest rates? No, would it, it be more it, than it could cut interest rates? So yeah. Interest rates are zero point one percent. Markets yeah. are actually priced in the possibility of negative rates. Rates could certainly go to zero, so okay. ten basis points off. Yeah. and maybe a more extensive uh, quantitative easing program. may Maybe more focus on. Uh, buying corporate bonds, for example, to help the business sector. So that's the circumstances where there's a there's a no trade deal outcome. At an EU level, the good news was that the, the summit last week, that agreement was reached in terms of the distribution of a very large EU support COVID fund, I think it's $900 uh, billion. Billion, yeah. and in terms of how that would be distributed. So, so, so that's ready to go and will be rolled out and helping support economic activity next year across the across the EU. Uh, and there's ongoing discussions in the U.S. as well in terms of trying to get some form of fiscal stimulus too. Uh, as I say, this is going to be a very, we're in the midst of a very difficult period. Um, you know, as expected, the number of COVID cases has risen quite sharply all, through the winter. That's interrupted the recovery in economic activity in quarter four. We're expected to see declines now, certainly in European economies, uh, in quarter four. A double dip recession, if you look like that, could well extend to the first quarter of uh, the year given the numbers we're seeing, the rising number of new cases. I and mean, we know some economies are already extending their lockdowns into early 2021. So, I think the key message here is policymakers are aware of this and recognize the need one to provide additional support but also to maintain those supports in place as recoveries take root. So the last thing we need to see is uh, if economies begin to pick up, we're coming off a very low base in terms of economic activity, so the last thing we need is a nearly tightening of monetary policy or an nearly tighten of fiscal policy. And all the indications are that policymakers will give this recovery time to take root um, and turn into a robust and sustained uh, recovery. What's your final message for listeners, uh, Ollie? Is <coughs> it hopes for the Christmas trade deal? Yes, but caution is required. I mean, what I would say to anybody trading with the UK, regardless of whether we get a trade deal or not, there is a massive change coming in the yeah. trade relationship with the UK on the 1st of January. Uh, what a trade deal does, in effect, is avoid tariffs. Yeah. But you're still going to have to do customs clearance. And you're still likely to be faced with delays at ports. It is going to be more costly to do trade with the UK. Um so a big change is coming and, you know, a trade deal is going to be a pale shadow of the single market uh, for the UK. So it it, it will be say, a markedly different trading relationship. It will take time to get used to it. Um, obviously, you know, we will now have customs checks, customs clearance documentations, even with the trade deal. Uh, the key thing is to, to, to get a trade deal so we avoid tariffs. And I said the concern here in Ireland is the UK may not apply a lot of tariffs. But it's going to protect some key industries that will be impacted by a deal outcome, in particular, the agri food sector. So, we're in the unfortunate position is the type of goods we export to the UK, a lot of them would attract tariffs, and the impact would be severe there.
0: Yeah. Okay, Uh, Ollie, uh, many thanks for the update, and a big thanks to our customers, colleagues, and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AB's Market Talk. On the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AB support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID 19. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC.